You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to SpursCast, episode 559. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the SpursCast. Joining me for this episode is Project Spurs' John Diaz. John, how you doing, man? I wish I was joining you under better circumstances, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, John and I are, are, are recording this podcast on Wednesday evening, a day after the Spurs lost to the Atlanta Hawks. It was the Spurs' first loss where they were the favorite according to Vegas and they ended up losing. So yeah, John, as we know, you know, over on Spurs Twitter, it's it's uh not not, not so much good times right now. Uh but let's get into this episode, John. We have a few um topics we want to go through. First let's begin with the Spurs and how they're doing. Um when I last recorded um a week ago, uh the Spurs were three and zero. everything was perfect. They had just beat Portland. So everything was looking really groovy for this new season. However, since then they've gone one and three. Uh, they they go and lose in, in, against the Clippers um, on a back to back sequence, and that was a tough game for them where they were kind of in it. But then of course Kawhi uh, just basically brings out the dagger in the fourth quarter and puts them away uh, on his own. Uh, then of course they beat the Warriors, which you know the Warriors are almost like a G League team at this point with how they're playing and just the players that they have available. So they so they beat the Warriors for, uh, pretty comfortably. Then on Sunday was a, was a big game where they lost to the Los Angeles Lakers. That was basically a battle for the one seed out west that night, and uh, the Spurs ended up losing. The Lakers came in into San Antonio and won that game. Then um, the one that you and I just were, are going to get into a little bit more um, detail about is their most recent loss against on um, on what was it Tuesday evening against the Atlanta Hawks on the road. Again, the circumstance, um, you know, the Hawks barely got back Trey Young. They found out that morning that um, John Collins was going to be suspended for twenty five games uh, due to um, violating the NBA's drug policy. Um, he was taking some sort of substance that was on the banned list. Now we know that Derek White was coming off a, a, a contusion injury in his um, right glute. Um, so yeah, so so the Spurs lose 108-100. Um, you know, it was a close game throughout with 32.9 seconds left. Uh, this is where a lot of fans are upset. The Spurs did lead by 10 points in the third quarter, late in the third quarter. However, in the fourth, they just completely fell apart. Atlanta outscores them 38-22. Trey Young goes crazy, goes for 16 points in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. So, so what are your, your impressions right now over these last four games? I'm, I'm worn down. I'm in a dark place, honestly. And I, I kind of understand where the frustration is with Spurs Twitter. There's (laughs) a lot of things that I see with this team that I like and don't like, Mm -hmm. and it's easy to pick on, on Marco and it's easy to question pop about minutes restrictions with DeJounte and stuff like that. But there's a whole different energy between the first unit and the second unit that we're seeing again from last year. And it's just numbing at this point. The fact that I'm sorry for picking on Bryn Forbes. I feel like I always pick on him when we come on the podcast, but we know who he is as a role player. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly his job is a role player. And for him to be taking three more shot attempts per game compared to last year and only playing one more minute and being in this range of where 
he's just chucking up shots because Damari's being too passive or not aggressive. I mean, Damar, not Damari. That's DeMar, a whole different yeah, story. Yeah, Damari doesn't play. <laughs> yeah, you know, like Damar. De- <laughs> yeah, uh, Damar's, you know, he just seems to be a little hesitant. LaMarcus doesn't seem like himself. But when you yeah. look at the numbers and you see these guys are just missing shots. And you, we talk about the mid-range jumpers, and if you look at like the our Project Spurs premium database, like the guys that are hitting mid-range shots are Trey Lyles and Rudy Gay. You you can't win games that way, like you know, it's just one of those things. You can't you can blame the system and say, hey, Pop needs to adjust and do all these different things where this team needs to be more oriented in today's game. But they're playing their game, they're playing their style the way they've done it for years, and the the same style that wins you playoff games, like we saw with Toronto and Golden State last year. It's just none of the guys that you need to hit shots are hitting shots. And then the one guy who's just supposed to be basically a three-point shooter is chucking up the ball more than anyone. And, and that's not his fault. I'm glad he's aggressive, and I'm glad Pop is out there encouraging people like Derek White and Bryn Forbes to say, hey, tell me to go to hell and play your game. But at, at the end of the day, these guys that are supposed to be the two All-Stars on your team need to play like All-Stars. And at this point, they're not. And if it's shots, it's effort, it's a whole bunch of things. But we're in year two with DeMar. He needs to get a lot more aggressive like we saw in that Lakers game. We've seen it in wins this year when he just goes off and he just becomes possessed. And, you know, it, it's frustrating. They're 4-3. and three. They've got some good wins and some – that Atlanta loss was a bad loss. And the first three quarters of the Golden State game was kind of hard to yeah. watch. But I, I've got faith that they need to pull it together. But I also think they need to blend in – different elements of the starting lineup and the bench unit to actually be a one cohesive team for once. Yeah. So, you know, I think one thing I do want to tackle there real quick about last night's game was that, uh, you know, the fans were upset that Derek White and, and DeJounte Murray didn't play a lot, especially in the fourth quarter when Trails, Trey Lyles went off on his run. Uh, it was Patty Mills and, you know, Brent Forbes having to guard him, a guy you just mentioned there. And part of that was for DeJounte, he actually had a tough night. He only plays 19 minutes, um, finishes with three points, five rebounds, four assists, three turnovers. And the thing was he had five fouls. So he could just couldn't get stay on the floor routinely. And Pop had to basically keep taking him out because of his foul trouble. Um, then Derek White, as I said, he's coming off that contusion in the right glute, which makes him questionable against OKC on Thursday. And so, you know, Pop saw that. I guess maybe Pop saw something that he just wasn't feeling it that night. So he didn't even bring him into the fourth quarter. And obviously that upsets some people when they see Trey Lyles go off. But you mentioned it, John. The Spurs are just really cold right now. They went 8 of 33 from the three-point line. Uh, I agree with you. I feel like there is some sort of... Um, it's a process right now to try to figure out some cohesion between DeMar, DeMar um, DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, and DeJounte Murray. Because, I mean, now all of a sudden, these guys have all the Ds that have their names. And then we got DeMar out there. Anyway, so LaMarcus and DeMar, I mean, these were the go-to guys last year. It was so comfortable for them to play with Derek White because Derek White's more of a passive player who kind of gets you set up in your offense. You know, if you want to take over for possession after possession, he's going to let you do that. You know, he's basically like your normal, you know, very calm point guard. Whereas DeJounte can go to another level offensively where he can just get out on the break. He can just attack a person one-on-one and get to the rim, get by multiple defenders. And we saw that especially highlighted in that Lakers game in that fourth quarter when he scored 14 points on his own. And, and right now, you know, I haven't checked the usage as of this podcast, but before that game against the Hawks, he was actually number one in usage percentage, DeJounte, barely eclipsing uh, DeMar. So again, the, the, these two guys that, that are, like you said, are your go-to guys, they're having to adjust now in, in getting an, a new playmaker next to them who's way more aggressive and who, honestly, I think you want to see DeJounte take the keys and do what, what he can. Because, I mean, he, like his, yeah. like I said before in this podcast, his potential is, is so, you know, it, it's, it doesn't have a ceiling right now because he's so young. He hasn't, you know, matured on offense in terms of where he's going to be one day. Whereas DeMar and LaMarcus, we kind of know what their game is, you know, at, at its height and at its peak. 
Now, Demar, I have seen you know the data even shows that he's been a little bit more aggressive in getting to getting you know getting to the rim, um, driving his mid range jumpers you know kind of on. He's making forty five percent of those shots, which is still an inefficient shot, but it's but it's pretty good. I think Lamarcus, I'm going to give him the um, the benefit of the doubt because I you know last year I could have sworn like a year like just last year in October November he was almost like terrible. He couldn't make any shots. He yep. just looked uh, you know out of it. And then we saw in December he, he his December January February were really strong and he ends up being in the All Star game. So so with with Lamarcus, I will give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt. But I, I agree with you. He just doesn't look good right now. I think it was um, the Clippers game. Uh, so one of the defenders basically said, "If we take away the middle when he posts up on us, then he's he's basically like it's it's really tough for him to score." And, and we've seen that yep. because his mid range jumper's not there, his post up around the shoulders not there right now. So I, I agree with that. But let, let's real quick focus on this this part about the um, ice cold start to the year from three. So. Just like last year, like you said, John, um, the Spurs are not a high-volume three-point shooting team. They're already 29th, according to Clean the Glass. They're number one in mid-range frequency. So the problem, though, was that last year, even though they, they didn't take a lot of attempts from three, they were actually really, you know, they were a really high-accurate team. They were, they were like one of, the, they were one of the top five teams. Right now, they're 27th. They're only making 31% of their, their three-point shots. And, and they only have four high-volume shooters now that Davis Bertans is gone. They have Bryn Forbes, like you mentioned. Uh, they have Patty Mills. They have Rudy Gay. And they have Marco Bellinelli. Now, three of those guys, their three-point shots just not there right now. Um, Forbes is at 33%. Mills is shooting lights out, 49%. He's basically holding the team together from three. Then you got Rudy Gay, 25%, and Marco Bellinelli at 18%. Um, you know, just look at these stats. According to the wide-open threes data, Rudy is 0 of 12, and Bellinelli's 1 of 10. I mean, they're getting open looks, and they just cannot knock them down. Um and and you know where's the help going to come from if this doesn't if this doesn't end up regressing to the mean? I mean the only two other guys they have it have a chance at a high volume three point shooting is maybe uh, Damari Carroll and Lonnie Walker the fourth. So what do you think about this cold start to the three point shooting aside from Patty Mills? Uh, you know it, it, it's what happens exactly with like the slump. People want to point out Marco and you know you you've got to give a shooter the benefit of the doubt with saying that he's going to be cold. He's not always going to shoot. 38% or higher yeah. or anything like that. If he's going to be terrible, that's great. But that's not an excuse to throw Lonnie Walker in there when Lonnie Walker is going to let someone blow past him while he's flat-footed on defense or can't box out. Yeah. You know, if, if you're going to let that happen, at least Marco can go out there and shoot up a prayer every once in a while and get fouled or make the three. We haven't seen that from Lonnie yet. And mm-hmm. yeah, granted, he needs the minutes to get there, but it, it's just you've got to be comfortable with the system. You've got to let the shots fall. They're going to come eventually. But I think a big solution would be this doesn't take away DeJounte Murray's, you know, ability to be the Spurs future point guard. But until he can prove to knock down a shot consistently and win the game matters, I don't think he should be in the starting lineup. I I think putting him out there, even with the minutes restriction, that's great and on. They need his defense. But I think he's probably more benefited by coming off the bench and closing out games. And, And that's where you get into a whole nother thing with, Mm-hmm. I guess strenuous minutes, but I'll, I'll touch on that in a little bit. I think that Patty Mills should probably be starting, especially we've seen Patty's what two points per shot on corner threes. Yeah, you let someone He's like making- Demar, yeah, you let someone like Demar handle the ball. Patty can post up in the corner, provide that kind of spark and shooting to the offensive unit. Maybe throw in Demari Carroll to actually shore up the defense a little bit and have Patty, you know, Demar, Demari, Lamarcus, and Trey Lyles. And maybe that's a little bit more of a formidable unit with Derek White and DeJounte Murray coming off the bench with Bryn Forbes, a little bit more floor spacing, and -hmm. you just play small. There's just so many things that I feel like they've got to mix and match. But at the same time, if shots aren't going to fall, you're going to lose, and it doesn't matter what the lineup is anyway. And I'm sure they don't want DeJounte out there in game-clinching scenarios where there's a thing with pitchers where they call like stress pitches and stress innings that maybe Mm -hmm. a starting pitcher in baseball is out there 
you know, he throws 20 pitches in one inning, but if it was an easy inning with no one on base, those 20 pitches didn't really matter. But if he's throwing 10, 15 with a bunch of runners on, they they see that as a stress on his on his arm yeah. and his elbow ligaments. Maybe they don't want that with DeJounte and his knee. Maybe they feel like if he's out there closing out a game, going really hard, they don't want him to risk his knee getting tore up or getting kind of hurt in any other way. So it's just easier to let him start a quarter, do whatever he can in those limited minutes, and then let Derek White take over. Yeah, so so this is something that uh, we we should address because this is something I've been getting questions on on Twitter, especially last night. Uh, is is the minutes restriction? So yeah, so Pops basically told us that it is a very strict five 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 deal where he's only playing the first five minutes of each game. I mean, each quarter, should I say? And that's kind of it. So Pops says he's no, he's not going to risk him. Um, you know, getting hurt to try to save him just for the close game, like monitoring his minutes in a different way. So I think that's where, that's where you just pointed out there. Why I don't think that's going to be the case. And for until that limit, minutes restriction gets lifted, we're going to continue to see Dejounte have to get pulled out midway through the fourth quarter and, and not return in the game, even even if it, it ends up being a loss and a guy like Trey Lyle and Trey like Trey Young just goes off, goes to another level. Um, real quick. Right now, you know, as of you and I are recording this, the Spurs are 12th on offense um, and 21st in the half court on offense. Uh, do you, is this kind of what you saw, you know, with that kind of starting unit with no shooting basically outside of Bryn Forbes and the starting unit? Uh, is that kind of what you saw them falling out of the top 10 early on? Yeah, it, it just seems like the, the whole offense is clogged at this point and no one really wants to, I guess, with DeJounte out there, they're trying to feel things out and try to learn like where people need to be and stuff. And it's a learning process because honestly, if we think about it, DeJounte has played what, half a season? Mm-hmm. A, a full half a season like we're we're not giving him a lot of chance even though this is his third year in the NBA to actually get a feel for the game and play with these guys that he hasn't seen on the court in real game situations for a long time but if, if they can get some sort of cohesiveness together with maybe letting LaMarcus be a more assertive and also a lot of these guys are playing out of position like we've got Bryn playing the two DeMar playing the three LaMarcus is like this hybrid power forward center with someone who can't stretch the floor yet in Trey Lyles, who's also not really knocking down shots, but is rebounding his ass off. And it's just, it's going to take a lot longer than seven games to get a good grip and kind of just feel on what this team really is. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, you actually, if you look at DeMar, he's actually been playing some backup four minutes at times, pops into yeah. weird lineups with, with DeMar. I've been looking at that like, whoa. But uh, yeah, so so obviously, you know, it looks like the offense definitely needs some help and, and it's not going to help when, when Brin's, you know, Brin's their main three-point shooter in that starting unit and he, he's shooting 33% right now. So that's kind of tough for him. Yep. Um Let's look real quick now. now. Now, the one benefit of having Murray back, and you can already see in the numbers, is the defense has already, you know, it's not it's not top 10 level, but it, hey, it's league average now. This is better than where yep. they were last year when they were in the in the 20s uh, to like 30, 30 range for most of the year. So we already see that impact defensively where they are league average uh, uh, overall defensively. They're 15th in the half court or 13th, I think that is. Um, and, you know, what I wrote here in this note is they have the right idea on defense. They're doing the right things right now. They are they are keeping opponents off the off the offensive boards. They're fifth there. They are not letting opponents get to the free throw line. They're fourth there. They're um they're sixth in in, in frequency at the rim for opponents in terms of uh, limiting shots at the rim. So that's a good thing. Uh, they're second in making teams take mid range jumpers, which is what you want to do if you're a really good defense and. Uh, they're fourth in limiting corner threes and non corner threes from the opponents. So again. The, the game plan is there. They're executing the game plan, which is to 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 make teams take these kind of shots and not give them these easy points like at the free throw line, like I'm saying. 
The problem, though, is that when they do get to the rim, teams are shooting really well. They're making 67% of their shots, which is 26. So so obviously the, the rim protection is still an issue, even though it's not a high frequency of, 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 of um, teams attacking the rim. When they get there, I'm thinking like Anthony Davis getting alley-oop dunks. I'm thinking like yeah. the Hawks had multiple cutters get in and get wide-open dunks against the Spurs' defense. So, so the problem is that when the Spurs do allow teams to get next to the rim, they're actually scoring really well. Uh, the three point shots—they've actually played them, played them pretty well outside of that. Um, the corner three is probably the, the one that you want to watch. But aside from that, I think that what do you think about their defense? The foundation is actually looks a lot better, and you just look at the numbers. You know, it's either like league average or or even like close to elite. A lot of them aren't aren't red anymore, aren't just like terrible like last year. Yeah, and it's one of those things where we saw a lot of you know Jakob Pertl trying to take the anchor on defense last year, and they're trying to adjust to maybe Trey Lyles and Dejounte being the anchor on defense this year. And honestly. I think it's going to take Trey Lyles a lot, lo- a lot longer to get situated and know where he's supposed to be, even though coming from Quinn Snyder's system, who's another guest wannabe pop disciple, uh, it, it's just a thing where these guys are kind of like trying to figure out where they are on the floor, when to switch and when to not. Uh, one of the guys from PTR, I forget his name, had a highlight where DJ just doesn't switch off a dribble handoff and he just looks lost out there. It, it's just a mental lapse where one second he just probably forgot, hey, this is where I switch that's probably not something he's been used to in the last year yeah. where he's missed and at least their league average, but it doesn't feel like it because we're still having these same issues with offense and letting people like Dwight Howard have this Renaissance and go perfect from the field. You know, <laughs> it's just frustrating. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot about the Dwight game. Yeah. Even like that, like I said, like that Hawks game last night, it looked good for three quarters. You know, they're holding him like 22, 22, 26. And all of a sudden, boom, 38. I was like, Whoa, yeah. that's probably the worst <laughs> quarter of the season. And then of course, you know, you look at who ended the the game on defense. It was, it was, it was a trio of um, Patty Mills, Bryn Forbes. And I forgot, I think DeRozan was the other wing. So, I mean, you, you don't have your two top defenders. I think that the defensive numbers are going to get a lot better once they do, once pop does um, take Lonnie off. I mean, not Lonnie, uh, uh, Dejounte off this don't minutes get, restriction don't, because don't get them started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm not gonna get them started. But because uh, Pops even said, I mean, he does plan on eventually playing uh, Dejounte and, and Derek White some some minutes together, and that's gonna be mm-hmm. a really good defensive backcourt. That's gonna help out a lot. But again, they can't do it quite yet because of this whole um, uh, uh, Dejounte Murray minutes restriction. That's kind of where it's at. It's like it's really hard to evaluate this team because of this restriction, like you mentioned. You know, mm-hmm. Dejounte's not a lot of close games right now. Maybe by the end of the year, once he's off this minutes restriction, you know, he should be there. So that's going to change the whole crunch time lineup kind of thing. So, so there's a lot going on. Um, the last question, like I mentioned last episode, I want to start ending with like a frequently asked question on Twitter that I'm getting a lot and just like the, the most, and we kind of touched on it a little bit. And this is the Marco Bellinelli question. Um, now, you know, for the Bellinelli um, non-fans, the ones that aren't fans of his of his, of his game right now, um, he's not helping the, that that camp. I mean, he's not helping him. The ones that do support Bellinelli, those fans, he's not helping them out right now with his performance so far through seven games. Um, he's saying he's playing 16 minutes a night, um, shooting 3.13s, only making 18% of those. Uh, 1.3 rebounds, 1.1 points, 0.7 turnovers, and four points. Now we have already seen John. Pop starts to to say, you know, if if he he'll throw Bellinelli out there, and then if Bellinelli has a tough stretch, he's actually giving either uh, Lonnie Walker some some minutes or Damari Carroll uh, some minutes. So so we are starting to see Pop even himself, you know, starting to to kind of you know uh, mess around with Bellinelli's minutes. And and if hey, if Marco's not performing, he's nineteen threes, and he's and he's missing all his defense assignments. I'm going to give uh, Lonnie a shot or, or Damari. Now Lonnie's gotten more shots; he's played in four games now, whereas Carroll has only played two. But we have saw that Pop's much more critical of Lonnie that if he doesn't ex on defense and his on his on his few minutes out there he, he's not going to see the quarter again for a while uh so my i guess my question is how much does bellinelli need to struggle like how many games do you think before it, it might actually become a permanent switch where either carol becomes a news back of small forward or walker 
I, you know, it just depends on, I think for me, it depends on record. Okay. Like it, right now they're four and three. They're still in, you know, I guess the top of the West, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Cause it's just going to be brutal all year long. It doesn't really mm-hmm. matter what, what the record is right now. Um, but if the shot doesn't start falling, I think you'll start hearing rumbles probably, you know, early December, I would say mm-hmm. when, when other contracts, when other contracts become tradable, I yeah. think that's when you'll start to hear it's like, okay, maybe, and, and now we've got the G League season about to start. It's not going to surprise me one bit if Lonnie ends up in Austin starting just to stay fresh and keep this minutes yeah. up because we've seen Pop do it in the past. And Lonnie's still in only his, his what, third year, second year, where he uh, can still go to yeah. Austin with, yeah, where he his can still go to year. Austin mm-hmm. with, a, yeah, he can still go to Austin and, you know, they don't have to, uh, with his permission or without his permission, he can just yeah. go over there and get his minutes in. But it, 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 I feel like, if if he keeps struggling, like it, it's going to be, it's not hard to trade him. But mm-hmm. the the thing is, what do you think the Spurs are going to get for him? Because I started looking out there, I don't think there's any any trade that solves any issues that this team has. No, no, and, and mostly it would be more of draft draft asset, like a second, yeah. late, like a second round pick, or even like a future second, like that kind of and, thing. Yeah, and then hope like there's a buyout come you know later mm-hmm. in the spring, like maybe like a Michael Kidd Gilchrist for defense, but even then he can't shoot, so that doesn't solve anything. If you try to trade him for like a Garrett Temple, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you have to throw in Metu to make the salaries match, or maybe Doug McDermott and just have him ride the bench, but it, just to free up those minutes for Damari or Lonnie. But I don't know. It, it's just there, there's so much of a redundancy on this roster where, especially with Bryn and and uh, Marco, where you want to give Lonnie that chance because he's got the athleticism. If he can just keep himself in the game mentally on defense, that's all they need of him, especially if he's on the court with Derek White. And he's just not doing that. And people want to get frustrated with pop over it and call for his head for no reason. He's been doing it the same way for years. You don't need to coddle Lonnie in hopes that he stays or turns into the superstar. If he's not going to do his job, he's not going to do it here. He's not going to do it anywhere. It doesn't matter. He can just ride the bench or go to Austin, whatever he wants to do. Yeah, no, no. And, and, you know, you brought up some good points there. And so I I would, you know, I, I would say maybe about like game 15, if we start to still see Marco not making his threes, you know, still slipping on offense. Uh, I mean, we know on defense he's going to slip. And, and you can see it with that new defensive matchup data I've been putting up on Project Spurs. Um, you can see that he and Brent Forbes are the two players that get targeted the most every night against the opponents. Yep. So, I mean, they, they purposely go at them, uh, those opposing teams. And then, you know, if Marco does lose his spot, well, then he is a tradable asset because there are teams like Philly who need some shooting. And there's teams out there that need shooting, and, and they would. It's it's weird because Marco, he's not – this year he's not as valuable to the Spurs with his role because, again, they have so much redundancy mm. with that spot. Whereas another team, um, you know, a playoff-bound team, they, they would like to have Marco because they can use, immediately give him minutes uh, to be one of their prime shooters. And so, it, yeah, so that's kind of where he's just stuck, and, and that's kind of where this roster is at. Um, what have you thought about Carroll, though? Um, you know, Pop had an interesting comment the other night where he basically said – the only reason why Carroll's really not playing right now is because it's just clogged right there at the four. He kind of wants him more as a four than a three. He wants him. It's because, uh, you know, Trey Lyles is starting and then you got Rudy Gay. So the only time we saw Carroll get some really good minutes was that game where, where DeJounte was out because, you know, everybody kind of shifted down for, from a spot. Uh, so what have you thought about him just only playing in two games so far out of seven? It's confusing because, you know, he's got a really good reputation as pretty much what the Spurs need in terms of defense and toughness and rebounding. And mm-hmm. putting him in there with, you know, letting Trey Lyles take his minutes, I, I get it. Trey's been unbelievable, and it seems like they've gotten really good value off that signing, which I don't think any of us would have actually predicted. But that's where I go back to, like, maybe switching up the starting lineup and saying, hey, until DeJounte's knee is fully good and he's off the minutes restriction, slide uh, DeMar back down to the two. Maybe try DeMar at the three. So that way there's still a little bit of length with Trey Lyles on the floor. You don't need him to be this 
you know, stretch four or anything. He's not going to stretch the four regardless. If he's going to be playing the three spot, at least you've got some extra length with Trey Lyles out there. Patty's you're shooting and DeMar's in his primary role as a two and ball and handling the ball. Uh, I think trying to say that, hey, it's a little bit logjam there with Rudy. You know, Rudy's not going to play the three ever. Ru- Rudy doesn't have that athleticism yeah, to do it not, anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, he did, yeah, and if he's sure. not hitting his shots, he's not a stretch four either. So what does it matter if if, if it's him or Damari out there? So I, I think obviously Pop's going to tinker with the lineups. We'll, maybe we'll get surprised one day. Maybe we won't. But I, I feel like it's a really bad excuse to keep plugging in these players in positions they don't belong and letting the system just do its thing. At some point, Damari can go into the three spot and be just fine over Marco Bellinelli. <laughs> like, yeah. If Marco's not going to hit his shots, Damari's going to do just fine in the three spot and let him get his minutes and let him prove his worth. That's why you signed him, and that's why he's here for three years. Like, let him get his run now. Yeah, no, for sure. So, so we'll kind of see what happens there. You know, as, as the game, I think, I think the biggest takeaway too is that it's only seven games. I know it feels like it's so, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's just we're only we're only two weeks into the season. Uh, you know, I remember around this time last year, I think it was already. Uh, uh, or it might have been too early yet, but when Dante Cunningham was starting, and now that guy's out of the league, yeah. like it's just like you know, it's just it's really early in the season. Um, you know, seven games. Like I said, I think ten. When you get to like fifteen, you have a pretty good sample size, and by like twenty for sure, you have a good sample size of who your team is. And we'll kind of see where the Spurs are at that point. Um, right now, you know, at four and three, they're they're making a lot of the um, math models that project them very low. <laughs> they're they're making those look kind of accurate. So I, I know a lot of people are frustrated with that, um, especially yeah. after that early start where they where they started the year off, I think four and one or three and one or something like that. So so yeah, thanks. John for joining me on this Spurs cast episode um, 559 Spurs cast listeners if you are on Twitter please follow John at by John Diaz again if you're on Twitter follow him at by John Diaz one of the best Twitter handles that I know because I wanted to steal that one time because you have so cool <laughs> anyway um, so yeah so let's just do a, f- a quick a few quick promotional items before we get out of here um, over on Project Spurs we have the Spurs video takeover after different games uh, uh, hosted by Joe Garcia you can check that out uh, after every Spurs game, Steven Anderson is providing you with his three thoughts uh, analysis pieces. So make sure you're, you're checking out Steven's work. Um, ben, ben Bornstein still getting you ready for the draft with his Spurs prospect watches. Um, he has his latest, his latest piece up this week. Uh, Colin Reed is back too. Uh, his latest piece um, to start this year is called The Spurs' Rebounding is Feeling Their Faster Pace. And that kind of goes into DeJounte's um, um, impact on, on, on the um, offensive end for the Spurs and how they're kind of uh, running more often. And, and they're like, actually, as of today, that John and I are recording this, they're actually third in fast break points. Uh, and then also, John John Link uh, mentioned this, and I, I did too during the, during our conversation. Again, if you want to see some of these stats that we're talking about, go to, go sign up for Project Spurs Premium. Uh, I've added some more databases there. Um, you know, in the shot creation area, I added some drives and post up numbers for for you to see like how how Dejounte is doing it in drives, Derek White, um, Demar Derozan, and then on post ups, how efficient is Lamarcus Aldridge? I've also looked at um, added a team defensive drive, um, team defense on drives. That's a dribble penetration. Um, a database where you can kind of see, you know, how much our defense is uh, uh, getting into the, the Spurs' um, the teeth, the Spurs' defense, and, and being affected or not. And then, lastly, I'm, I'm, I have a, a database where they're, where we're tracking um, the opponent shooting on wide open threes, basically saying how much of the, of the opponent's sh- shots were, were wide open or not. So again, go go over and check out Project Spurs Premium. Sign up um, uh, if, if you'd like. Um, it would really uh, uh, help help us out, and then, uh, again, it's just really uh, really uh, useful information. That, um, that, that I'm glad that John, you're actually looking at it already and, and using it already in our Spurs of cast. Of course, yeah, I think it's going to be a for sure awesome. thing. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, I like I like looking at the numbers. I got some, some really good positive feedback. So go ahead and check that out. And then lastly, thank you to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. For so for John Diaz, my name is Paul Garcia. Thank you. Have a great day.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.